Welcome everybody to the podcast. On this episode, I have the privilege to talk to easily the best name in all of PSAL baseball, Mr. Socrates Peralta. How you doing, man? Fantastic. How about you? I'm good. I'm glad you're on. And uh, it's been a long time coming from when I first met you to to now. I shouldn't say a long time coming, but a couple of weeks. I always wanted to have you on because, and as we'll get into, you had some big shoes to fill and you've ever, even without me knowing your story, just on the surface level, a, a story worthy of, uh, I think, being on the podcast. So thank you for being on. Yeah, thank you. So let's get with today. How was your, how was your game today? You went against uh, JFK, right? Yeah, it was a... Uh... Please Pretty competitive. Yeah, we did. Um, it was kind of scary because um, they were up the seventh by one. So it was 3-2. And then uh, it was a complicated game because my guys were not hitting the ball how they were supposed to, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's what I tell them. Listen, guys, let's get the job done. It doesn't matter when, but let's get it done. And that's what happened. They came through. You know, the guy threw a lot of pitches, the, um, the Kennedy pitcher. Yeah. He had a lot of pitches, and then we just executed. Uh, the final score was 3-8. Uh, it was pretty good, pretty good game. And they, they did a pretty good job, man. You can see, I mean, they have a record, a losing record, but that doesn't reflect. They have a pretty good squad there. Yeah, it's. Uh, I haven't seen him uh, all year. Uh, shout out to Alex Torres. He's a, He's been a good coach for a long time, and get the ups and downs as everybody, every coach goes through. Yeah. So I'm glad you beat them. I just say that because being real, they're not, you know, the best team out there. So to lose to them would be uh it'll dash maybe like a spirits of your team. Cause right there you got the George Washington's and the Monroe's at least in the Bronx area, but in the middle, there's still a lot up for grabs. You get a better seed, you know, and who knows how luck turns out in the tournament. So so that's cool for about now. So let's let's go to the past and uh, tell me about your background. Where'd you come from? Uh, and obviously, you were not born in this country, right? Yeah, I have Where a really born? strong accent. So it's an amazing uh, accent. <laughs> thank you. Uh, my parents are Dominicans. I was born in Dominican Republic. Uh, when I was one year old, I went to Venezuela. I was mm-hmm. raised in Venezuela. I lived in Venezuela for fifteen years. You know, I played baseball there. Uh, actually, a player couple of sports, uh, not only baseball. Uh, and then I came here, ended up going to Morris. I'm coaching the school, in the school that I played for 13 years ago. So it's Excellent. such an amazing experience. What were the years exactly that you were? Um, so I got here 2007. I didn't make the team 2007. I played 2008, 2009, and then I graduated 2010. Excellent. Yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, and we'll get into the 2008 season as we go along. But um, wow, I didn't realize that was your first year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we'll, we'll get into that. So in DR, take me back to DR. You obviously didn't come here and pick up baseball here. You played it over there, right? No. So I played in Venezuela. Oh, uh, Venezuela. Yeah, in Venezuela. Um, I picked it up there. I was around, I would say, 11, 10 years old. I was just looking at t- on the TV uh, again. I was just like, oh, wow, this is fun, you know? I want to do what they're doing, you know, just taking a bat, swing, hit a ball hard, you know, go catch it. If you play in the defense, throw it. I was like, this is really fun, actually. Over there in the streets, uh, like, a, do they play, like, the same way, like a stick and a battle cap? Yes. Some wax yes. in it or, or sponge ball? 
Yes, yes. We used to take a tennis ball and just like, you know, throw as Yeah, hard that's as what you you we can got to do. and hit it. Yeah. And I mean, just it's like, like one, and people understand, like, who are listening, they don't, like, the natural ability comes from being able to take a broomstick, essentially, and hit a bottle cap with it. I mean, if you can do that, then a baseball and a, and a bat seems a little easier, just naturally. And there's generations that have come through Venezuela, DR, Puerto Rico, and all these places. So, so that's awesome. So from there, you came to this country and you went straight to the Bronx. <laughs> The Bronx, yes. It was Boogie a dra down. drastic change, man. So drastic, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, it's a different type of uh, when you go from a country where the disparity of rich and poor is more uh, binary and you come here and you're like, but there is a middle, but you're still in the, the Bronx in a way where you're like, oh, wow, it's weird. You can feel that there's something to achieve that Venezuela might not have offered you, but it's also still harsh in a way because the people in the middle... sort of look at the people on the, the bottom as if they're competing against each other when it's really the rich. Not to get into a socio-political conversation, but I'm sure that that culture shock, you know, whether you realize it as a 14-year-old kid or not, it, it, it is what it was. So, so that's cool. You came in and let's get into it. Uh, we'll tie it in with taking over Richard Corville as you did. So 2007, you came to Morris and 2007 was the year that they won the championship and you didn't make the team. I mean, It's not something that like, ah, oh, you like you get mad at you. I'm sure you're just mad that you make the team. But looking back, it was like that was the team that they that was the team that won the championship. I don't know if they played in, the, in Yankee Stadium at that time, but still, it doesn't matter. That was the team that made the championship and you went to that school and you love baseball so much. So I'm sure like, oh, take me back. Was there like feelings that you had that you can remember for a young Socrates? Yeah, definitely. Um, I remember the play at Shea Stadium. Uh, that's when, before, you know, they, Yeah. they switched the field. Before Um, City Field. Yeah. I remember I used to practice with them. Even when they called me from the team, Corvo was like, dude, just, you know, come work. Uh, and then Prove yourself. just come next year and then, you know, make the team next year. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to put the effort because I want to play baseball. And uh, that's what I did. I was like, I'm going to try my best. And I, I received the support of everybody in that team that won the championship in 2008. So by looking at that, those guys supporting somebody that they barely know, because they didn't know me, but they believe in me. So it's like, dude, just come next year, be part of this. You're going to be like part of our family. It doesn't matter if you were not here when we were celebrating. Even though I was in the, in the stadium watching them celebrate, but I felt like I was there too, because I felt welcome. It's not a bad term, but you're like a mascot in a way, Yes. you know, you know, and, and the genesis of a mascot is to have something that the team feels representative on it and it makes you happy and it lifts you up. And, you know, wear that as a badge of honor, especially because you made the team the next year. And as we'll get into taking over the team for coaching. So take me through how from that year, they won the championship and the next year you, you eventually made the team. Yeah, so um, I believe it was like the harder, one of the hardest thing I ever felt like going through. He was Because on a like, very, I, he was on a heater too. Oh, Corvo yeah. with his team, man. They were very successful at the times. So I'm looking at the the records, 2004, 16 and 0, and they lost, I guess, in the semifinals. Or no, they lost in the finals that year because they were three and one. And then 13 and three the next year, 12 and four, and then 13 and three, you know, the championship year. So like, you weren't just coming into like a an A ball club or or double A ball club. This was uh, this guy already established like sort of like a dynasty or at least uh, you know. something of the level like a Monroe.
Yeah, he he built that reputation because um I remember that guy that tried out for the team. There was a bunch of new guys out of nowhere. They just came. It was like we we want to play for Morris. You know, we want to do this. Like let's go. And that's like the pressure I felt in that moment. I was like, well, okay, I got to play now. You know, I got to show up. You're not the only yeah. one. You know, and you got to prove it. Yeah, yeah. You have no other choice. You want to do it, get it done. Yeah, and it's hard for sometimes for young kids to, uh, and I don't know about the support that you had, father or mother wise, where, you know, when you fail in those situations, it's hard if you're just, you're the only one left to pick up your own pieces because you might have it in you, but we all need support, you know, and it's a lot to ask for a kid. Where um, Did you get into baseball through mom and dad? No, so my dad, um, they always supported me. Like they always were there. When they found out I like baseball, they they found something like okay, let's find a team, let's find something related to this because you like it. Let's mm-hmm. let's get you in this, okay? They didn't think that I was gonna make it, you know, to college level or like you know, they didn't have that in mind. They just want happiness in that moment for me, uh, and I really appreciate that because that's it was organic. Shame me, yeah. It's like okay, great, I like it. And they helping me out with this, forget it. I'm gonna get it done. You know, I, I, and that's the kind of support I feel like everybody should at least get from somebody. It doesn't have to be your parents. It could be a friend. It could be your aunt. It could be your grandma. It doesn't matter. You get the support from somebody, and you feel like okay, that extra step that you need, you're gonna get it done because somebody's helping you out. Yeah, and that's why I was with my parents. My mom and dad, they were teenage parents when they had me. I didn't even know them to be together. But uh, they gave me as much support as they could, which if you give everything, then that's going to be felt, whether your everything is more than somebody else's less. You know, that's going to make a character. And it's going to allow what they couldn't do themselves for me to do and for me to, you know, generationally, increase your stature and when you have kids on do you have kids no not yet when you not have yet. kids yeah. you'll they'll be a first generation american with a, a legacy that you know your parents allowed you to do and they they let you color outside the lines and be you and the pre- and sometimes it, there is a leader leading in a way but just letting you do you and supporting you in your failures too that's why i asked you if that like you had you know not making the team because coming back to make the team, not just your courage and, and wanting to do it, it it's got to be something like a parent, uh, you know, who was just like, hey, if you really want it, you'll get it. And just hearing that alone is like, yeah, I do really want it and I will get it. So that's cool. That's that's dope. And and I'm sure as we'll get, we'll talk, Corbel obviously saw that. And so you graduate and you spent a good amount of time in the team, all three years from your sophomore, junior and senior year to, you know, some success. Now, obviously you came in, right at the tail end of like the his best days but i assume you came back on as an assistant coach um yes i did so that happened when i was doing my master's to become a teacher because i'm a phys ed teacher so i was working towards that and i was like you know you're what? not a philosopher i mean your name yeah. is Socrates. like come on <laughs> that was right there man it was right there it's close you minor yeah. something you didn't minor it no Come on, you can always go back. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, actually, I have a fun fact about my name. Uh, I'm the third. So 
Wow. I mean, but, you don't you don't stop that name. You better. No, if you I, ever have a son, there's a fourth coming, man. I have to. I mean, Socrates the fourth sounds like a like a pope or something. It's like, <laughs> uh, but, so go on. You got your um, where'd you go to college? Yeah, so I went to Lima College for my bachelor's, and before Lima College, I went to Solima Community College. I played baseball there one year. I played three years in Lima College, and then I went to Manhattanville for my master's. Um, I be, uh, what position did you play? Outfielder. Outfielder. Yeah, outfielder. At Lima, I was a shortstop, uh, outfielder, you know. and Lead uh, off hitter? Second. Second, I know yeah, you, you, second, I could, yeah. this body type is definitely not either. You know, if you're, you don't want to be bottom of the lineup. So I didn't say that first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're not yeah. in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> so go on. You went to Lehman and then you, your last three years there, you got your degree in yeah. um, education. And exercise science. Oh, excellent. So, yes. So actually, I wanted to be a, a physical therapist and I did an internship. I didn't really like it. So I went towards the personal training side of the of the career. Yeah. Then I went, I was like, you know what? I need to settle down somehow. And teaching is like a great job. It's an amazing job. And I loved it because I did an internship. And I was like, you know what? This is this is my opportunity. While I was doing my internship, I reached out to Corvo. It's like Corvo, are you still around? Uh you still coaching? Da, da, da. And then he's like, yeah, just come through, come to you know one of the practices. Uh, meet the guys and uh, I went to a practice I was like Corvo okay uh, what's the deal because you, do you need somebody to help you out he's always taking people you know always like people that graduate they come back to revolving door uh, yes it's like a cycle thing and yeah. then uh, it's like this is my opportunity let me stay with this guy and get some experience coaching side not as a player but now coaching and I stayed there co- assistant coach for three years I believe what was the year that you started it was 2017, 18, and 19, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Oh, as you were like, listed, and then 2020 happened. Yeah. And la- la- um, 2021 was his last year. Yes, 2021 was his last year. And then uh, there was this little situation that they had to bring somebody else to cover, well, last you know, year. Take care, yeah, take care of the, the team last year. Yeah. And, yeah uh, I, don't, I don't remember. I remember seeing it was just like in my mind's eye, but obviously I dealt with Corval for all the interactions. But yeah, so last year I, I remember, or I should say 2021, Corval was telling me this was his last year. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh no, shit. So yeah, so uh, last year there was, a, a you said, a bit of a, a gap between him and, and use. That's interesting because I would think that he would sort of pass it on to you and there would be more of a natural transition. What What happened last year? Um, so I think that was the idea. That was the, the whole purpose of it. He knew I had some potential as a coach. So that's why he decided to, to st- you know, keep me there, right? Right next to him. Yeah, uh, and, and unfortunately, you know, he couldn't do it last year. So that, that transition just fell down. And, and also I received a job as a coach for the badminton team, the girls badminton in the school. Mm. They were re- so you're still working at Morris. Yeah, still working at Morris. Got it. Uh, it. All of this is happening when I'm still working at Morris. Yeah, that's weird. Like it'd be. Yeah. It's not like you left or anything. Yeah, yeah. But then I I couldn't take the team last year just because I already said they're okay for the badminton team. So I was just already you know getting the curse going and uh, 
getting them ready for this. For the this seasons season. overlap. Yeah, they overlap. It's the same time. Ah. It's at the same time. So it really sucked. Uh, I mean, we we had a pretty good season last year for the badminton. Yeah, badminton. Yep. In the Bronx. In the Bronx. <laughs> we went twelve and ten and two. That was our record, and it was uh, pretty shocking because nobody knew Morris for badminton. Like who who plays badminton in the Bronx? I mean, exactly. That's my point. I mean, yeah. I, I, outside of going to freaking Orchard Beach and setting up your own net <laughs> and playing with your you know your cousins. And, you know, laughing at the fact that they call it a shuttlecock the whole time. So, you know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you got to get over that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, shuttlecock, Jesus. Can we call it something else? A high school sport with cock at the end of it? <laughs> well, I never called it like that. I just be like, okay, this is a birdie. Let's call it birdie because this is better. Okay. Sure. <laughs> sure. But uh, so do you have any background or was it just like an attempt to just keep a program or you you're mr well, uh big you know you want extra credit or you take on things that because that's cool too and I, I i totally respect that and taking on any undertaking of coaching and stuff like that comes with a sort of an ego like well i got this you know uh, i was talking to steven lamuccio of bathgate he, he coached wrestling for one year i'm like this guy has no idea what wrestling is i actually wrestled and but I get it, you know, as a coach, you're coach minded. You're like, I could lead people to some sort of success or not embarrassment. So did you have any badminton background? Well, no, <laughs> but I played, <laughs> but I played tennis. I, I used saw... to be a, a tennis player. Uh, so it's very similar because it's a net sport. So you, it's either a individual sport or doubles, you know, the, you play with a partner yeah. and it's just like, you know, hitting back and forth. And it has like basically the same concept. Um, and also, when I went to my grad school, I uh, was doing my master's, and uh, they prepare you to teach anything, everything that you know requires movement. You have to be there. Like even if you don't know the sport, you can learn it. You know, you grab a book, you watch some videos, and that's it. You can teach the sport. You're like a good coach can coach anything. If that's I, how I say it. I always say uh, my one of my catchphrases, trademark. A good official knows the rules. A great official knows the game. And if you listen, shout out to Leon Cruset on the podcast a couple of uh, episodes, a couple of interviews ago. He came into wrestling, uh, refereeing. He's a Division One baseball umpire, top top. I would consider him a mentor, but he, we're around the same age, and but he's above me in, in in college and stuff like that. But he's somebody I look up to, game wise. And he came into wrestling blind. He never wrestled a day in his life, and he within me watching because i've been a wrestling referee first that was my wrestling was my sport i watch baseball and i love baseball but i consider myself a professional watcher i didn't really enjoy playing it as much as like my brother but i loved the yankees and i was born in the bronx and got to see five championships and, and like i love sports in general I, I see myself as somebody who looks at sports like the way neil looks at the matrix see i like the everything that makes it happen i bring i haven't brought it up in a while but Shout out to my boy JP, who uh, in his uh, stupor of gambling, I, I said something to him. He was like, I know more baseball than you. And I was like, whoa. And what he meant was I know more MLB. And that's fine because I don't gamble and I don't play fantasy, but you don't know more baseball than I do. Like, tell me what signs are. But anyway, like, but I just have that scope and I look at that that way. But so does he. If in, in the 
Leon does in, in the scope of uh, officiating where he was able to not wrestle. And this is how he, how dedicated he is. He put himself into jujitsu just to get into what it's like to grapple so he can understand the mechanisms. Because one thing about wrestling, like I had never played baseball on a level of you, but I feel like I can tell you what the rules are. Right. Yeah. But with wrestling, it's a little different because there's safety involved. And if you don't, anticipate things by way of sort of experience or callback it's kind of dicey because somebody could get hurt if you didn't really anticipate what that move was if it became illegal or something like that where baseball it's cultural and you can watch it on tv and anybody could sort of do it sort of why umpires get a shit end of the stick when it comes to criticism as they they deserve it on their own for the most part but but yeah so that's going to the the parallel of what you're talking about like that's what I was saying, the ego of being able to be, I can coach, I can make us not presentable. And taking that challenge to be like, well, if I can do this, it's just a, another proof that I'm good at what I'm doing. So I don't waste anybody's time when push comes to shove, which it obviously did. And you became the full-time coach this year. Yeah, definitely. And you touched a really good point about wasting time because that's not that's something that you don't want to be doing to anybody, you know? At the end of the day, there's a purpose. If there is no purpose there, like there is no reason to be there. That's how I see things. That's how it should be seen. I mean, I mean, that's a parallel from life. And what I say about umpires and blaming them is I was never somebody who was taught to blame anybody. Not that I was taught properly to blame myself and I had to work that out. There was no blueprint. My parents did the best they could as teenagers, but they didn't buck up and they at least allowed me to the freedom to be supported in failures and try stuff. And you find yourself in sort of like a, a hard knocks way, but with support goes a long way. Like that, that is really like, it's so helpful for when you're an adult and you're just like, oh, well, I'm lost, but I still realize I've always been lost, but I've always had support. And you don't want to waste people's time. Parents shouldn't waste kids' time in that way and raising them if you're not going to do the job properly, then please, by all, all means, do not do it. Like, do not sign up for coaching kids if you're just going to... You can take people out of the game who want to be in it and, and and beyond diminishing returns at that point. So that's what a good coach is and most certainly what a good umpire should be. It's not about me. It's about what the game deserves. And if you're not there to give your all, of course, sometimes we're all human. It's not like we all... I wouldn't say I have days where I phone it in, but there's days where I'm going to umpire to the standards of the game. And the standard of the game that's in front of me is not necessarily the standard that I always hold myself to. But, you know, I do this a lot. So I can't really, it's false expectations to, to be able to show up like that every day too, you know. Yeah. And I'm sure you can you know feel the same. But at the same time now, but you, you you can't really fuck around like that because you're, you're taking over and you have such a reputation behind you. And... Even the new kids on your team know it. They feel it. They probably signed up in a way to be like, okay, we'll see where this guy goes. Yeah, I, I I don't know that type of pressure. I have pressure on my own where I go into a game and even uh, sort of enforcing rules comes with pressure because other umpires don't enforce certain rules because they don't know them. And coaches are like, well, what was that? Just today, I'll give you an example. And softball, it was Bronx Science versus um, Beacon. And I found myself talking to parents too, which I very much go against. In the way I was talking, like in the I was talking, I turned around and talked to him like if it was a coach. And I stopped myself, I was like, wait a second, let me turn to the coach first. And it never gets to a point because I'm cool. 
I'm always at a five. Never going to get that high. But what happened was it was a play at home. And in ground rules, I explicitly said, if there's anything that seems like there's going to be contact, you have to tell these girls that walk around. I, like, I even said, if the girl's standing on the plate, because a catcher who doesn't know the play is in the field, they'll stand on home plate, literally, both feet. And I told them, run around them. I'll call you safe. Please don't make any contact. Yeah. So there was a play at home, but it was a play where the catcher had an attempt to make a catch on the ball, jumps up. The runner who sees everything going on, the baseline is only established by when the tag is attempt, which <laughs> explaining to certain people is like, and when you say these things, I'm like, oh my God, now I got to work backwards. Now yeah. I got to dumb it down. So she ran right into her. Like if she was Pete Rose in the all-star game back in the day. Oh my goodness. Not that hard. Not that hard. But she, cause they, they pull up. I mean, these girls will run dead straight to first. And then the last, right before they get to first stop as if it's, they can't run through it. Like that's what we're dealing with. So, <laughs> so I call her out, boom, you know, ran into the first. And, and at this point beyond the rules, the game's getting out of control. They scored enough runs that inning. It was like six runs. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. That wasn't even the final out of the inning. So let's go. You know. But based on the rules and based on the ground rules, I said exactly that. And I'm telling the coach, I'm like, who do you think has the opportunity to visualize the scope of what's happening? The runner. She's seeing what the, the catcher is trying to catch the ball. Literally putting themselves into a vulnerable position to get that. It's up to the runner to move out of the way. And I'm trying to explain to him, that's not even rules. This is just concept. Like, don't you get logic? Okay, now, because I couldn't get to, I did the rules first. The baseline's established on a tag. If she tags her and she goes three feet out of that, whatever it is, it could be anywhere. People don't understand that a runner could literally run anywhere on the field. They could run all the way up. And and for people listening, if you run past first base and say there was an overthrow at first, on that overthrow, you don't have to really run back to first base and keep on that same line. You could go from wherever you were on that overrunner first and go to second, which would be like a, it's not a straight line. Yeah. Uh, it's not a straight line from first to second. It'll be like a straight line from foul line extended. Uh, see, it's technical terms, but still, this is all lost on these people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what it takes an opportunity, the opportunity I take now too is when the dust settles, obviously my word is final and I have enough trust in everybody to know that. Listen, I know what I'm talking about. Funny though, when I <laughs> I was I turn around, I start talking to uh, parents, and I'm I'm offering this to them for for a reason. We'll get into that off air, but I'm offering that to them. So the more they know, the less they're going to argue. That's just how life works. Whether they disagree or not, if you have the knowledge beforehand, you're less likely to combat it as if you don't know it. And I'm treating them with the pureness of the ignorance that they really they don't know. They don't know. How do they know the rules? So I'm talking to one parent and this coach, I was told he was a coach. He was not a coach of any, I'm telling the parent and this guy comes up. I forgot what he said, but he's disagreeing with me. He's not even listening to what I'm saying. He's just coming in disagreeing. And the parent goes, oh, but you should listen to him. He's a coach. I'm like, the day an umpire listens to a coach is the day that that guy's no longer an umpire. Like, and I, I need you to know that that means nothing to me. And that's how silly that that sounds He's a coach. It's like, do we have a doctor in the house too? Like to tell me what's going on. But it was funny. And I try and I, I have to dumb it down. That's beyond the rules. The essence of beyond the rules. And everybody around me is okay. Cause I give them trust. It's like, I'm not trying to play you. You don't think I know? Like, come on, look at me. 
I know. I know. I'm offering you conversation. I went with the rules first. You guys have phones. Pull out your phone, look it up. You know, come on. So yeah. that I want that to come through as as me as an umpire, and just like you'd want that to come through as as a coach. No wasted words, no wasted motions. Everything has meaning. And tell me how you do that as a coach with such uh, a the burden of a legacy. Well, since the moment I was a bulldog, Morris, you know, we are the bulldogs. Um, so since the second I was part of that, the, the priority is that we always got to make the playoffs. We always got to work hard and reach that goal. Like no matter what. Corporal did the, the job pretty well all this, this entire time. And, and I hope that now that I'm, you know, in charge of this, I want to continue that legacy. I want to continue building the program, um, keeping the kids out of the streets, you know, doing something here that uh, it might have a really great impact in their future. You know, they never know what opportunities they get. And I always tell them, listen, guys, you have no idea who's looking at you right now. Like somebody can be in the corner right there and just watching the game. It could be a scout, you know, like somebody from a university just looking at you. And you tell them like that's that's the that's the whole thing. That's the purpose. The purpose. Brought in their perspective. Yes. They're like this, and you got to break that down and see because yeah. they don't realize they have options. They have no idea, man. Especially the, the, the type of men that they think that they can be is such a small scope. Yep. And I tell them like what you see here in this building in this school is is barely nothing. There is a whole world out there. Like you can do so many things. This isn't a snow globe. Exactly. They don't think about it like that. But little by little, you know, when you have these meetings, because I have a lot of meetings, I talk to them a lot uh, about life. Because it's not a, it's not only about baseball. You got to teach Philosophy. them about life. Yes. Culture. Yes, culture. Yes. Yes. And we had a culture when I was a player there. And I want the same culture now because it worked with me. It worked with the people that was there with me. You're a product and, of it. Exactly. And I tell them, listen. I was in your shoes 13 years ago. You know what I mean? And you are an admirable fucking position. It's not like you got to go play an MLB. Look at you. You're put together, handsome. You're doing the, You're taking over a position that, like you said, right now is right now to these kids. Think about it right now. Conquer this goal. Feel successful in what you're doing now because you never know what's going to take you. But you will know where it's not going to take you if you don't do it to the best of your ability now. You would just say stuck because success breeds success. Yeah. You know, you got to you got to appreciate starting from zero, but also understand that zero is zero and if you just keep putting it in every day and putting the work and getting the reps, it does you don't have to go from zero to 10, but 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 you're at a 7, you know, like the the separating yourself from from starting something to getting to a point of success is not something that is afforded in young men in the city in the way that it should be. And offering that and seeing that through the vessel that you provide with the history that Corville left, yeah, man, you're going to create young men. And that's one of the things that Anderson talked about, no matter what, him losing that championships year and the fast rise. I mean, my God, he was like the Wonder King. And he talked about overlooking Lafayette and he got slapped right in the face but he still took young men to levels of achievement that they'd never thought possible. You know, they got to play Yankee Stadium. And that loss, you know, the right sort of guidance will translate that loss into success no matter what. 
so yeah, Wood Anderson had that that run, and he took kids to to the promised land, and he overlooked it, Lafayette. He told me as much as that that sucked the success that came from the the loss, and he owes it to the 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 Inwood teams that he has now to never let that happen again. That mindset, building that culture, like he had a good culture going, and I, that's what I want to get into too. The culture of like you can get too involved in yourself and success, and I could see how. When you're going from single A, double A, championship, and never really having that sort of pushback, your your first year, how do you feel like, like the, the like the pressure? Like it's different for me for pressure. Um, I just have pressure as an umpire in general, but at the same time, I'm still nameless. You have kids and parents and legacy. So, what is your if you can put it out there as you, what you would tell yourself? What what do I got to do to to feel like I, I succeeded, not just playoffs, not just making the playoffs, the philosophy and the culture. The main thing where I see success and it, like if, if I'm doing something productive and positive, if it's a see improvement in my players, if I see improvement in them, like it could be academics, it could be, you know, because uh, I have kids, they never went to school, you know, and then they want to play baseball and they come into school and they're getting the work done. It was like, it works, you know? You, yeah. Maybe you're not the best baseball player in the team, but you put in the effort because you want to play. You want to be part of this. It's, it's like what you mentioned about the culture. If you have that culture, it's going to attract people that want to be part of that. And it's not only about the sport, it's about in general, everything in general. It, it, there is a lot of pressure. I'm not going to lie. I felt a lot of pressure when I started the season because um, I didn't probably only two guys from the team when I was uh, the assistant coach for Corvo. But other than that, everybody else was new to me, you know? And getting into the heads about, like, I'm your new coach, you know? I'm, I'm trying to be the best for you. I want to, you know, get you better. I want you to uh, have fun because it's about having fun too. It's a sport, you know? It's, it's, it's a game. Yeah. Um, it was really difficult, man. I'm lucky enough that I have a captain in my team that he's like another coach. He helps me out a lot. Uh, and he, he settles down, you know, it, it, he sets the table for me. I don't have to worry about a lot of things. Would you say that was like you <sighs> to, to Corvo? Yeah, yeah. Well, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Culture. Yes. Yeah, cool somebody, got somebody who, you have to have somebody who is saying, hey, listen, I buy into it and you guys like me. You know, you need a vessel. Can't yes. just be a preacher without a believer. Exactly. Shit, shit, that's good. Yes. <laughs> I just came go. up with that. <laughs> there you go. But that's anyway, cool. so yeah, so that's awesome. And, and, and you know, talking to Stephen Lamuccio, his assistant coach was uh, on, the, uh, I don't know if it was a championship team. My memory's terrible, but it was same thing. Keep him along. And the dedication to, I mean, I anticipate this podcast being something where I can make money off of it and doing these things. I have goals, but I'm still putting the same effort in now without making any money because I care about it. And when you put that out there, people are going to believe it no matter what, even if they don't, you're more vindicated in, in what you put out there in an honest way. And if people don't play for the team, it's not because they don't want to play for you. It's because they didn't make it. And it's not like, you didn't give your best and you turned them off. 
And that number one is like, that's the base level. That's the foundation. Because if you don't believe in yourself, then nobody's going to believe in you. Exactly. Uh, it, it, there's a lot of people that they might think they want to believe in that, but inside of them, they're like, no, this is not for me. And then, you know, they want to stick around, but you can, you can sense it. You can feel it. And uh, the guys that are keeping my team, when you're around, like, I tell them, this is a family. And you can feel this is a family. If somebody doesn't belong here, you will know right away. It's like... Um, stranger. Yeah, a stranger. Like, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen you. I barely see you. What are you doing here, you know? And listen, and that's okay, too. That's okay. Listen, no disrespect, but we have a mission. And understand that it's not like if you're not with us, you're against us. If you're not with us, but you're here, you're fucking it up for us. And unless you're some sort of like troll, understand that it is a passion. It is a, a, a sport, but there, it is a business. And when it comes to mind and you got to go out there and handle your business. And yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine most people have a good time in those situations anyway, when they're not good at something and, and, and you're being told in honest ways, like, it's okay that you're not good at it. Please go. So the people you're holding up spots yeah. and, and it's a very parallel thing to society as I've talked to you over text about umpiring and accountability, it, 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 there's a lot of false accountability too. You got a lot of people who you never want the people who just been there for four years talking shit on the bench. It's like, well, how many hits have you got? You didn't earn what you're saying just because you've heard it. Doesn't mean it's translated where you can say it. You need a leader. You need somebody who lives by it, dies by it is the number one subscriber to it because when they hold you accountable, you ain't got shit to say back to them. And that is culture. That's true culture. Because those people, when you you get to a point in philosophy and psychology with people too, where you ain't got shit to say to somebody because they're real yeah. and they're honest. And everything that they say, they, they give the maximum effort. And a lot of the times, they don't even hold you accountable. They don't even get mad at you that you don't. It's just like, but recognize that you don't. Don't pretend that you do. And and you don't. You don't. I know Corval wouldn't have. I'm sure even though there was a gap, he gave you his blessing. Was there like, did you like, you know, share blood and shake hands and be like, yeah, he's the Morse. You're now a bulldog for life type of thing. But like, I'm sure there was a sort of like passing of the baton verbally. Yes. Maybe not to get into the details of it, but please share. Tell me. And, and, you, and you hit the spot because that's what we do. Like bulldog for life. And like, we, we constantly, you know, keep communication with each other, you know? Oh, really? And, uh, this guy showed up to a game that's like in a hood, like nobody could recognize him. I'm like, listen, what do you, I see you here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, actually, Bulldog for Life is a thing. Uh, I was talking to one of my, uh, you know, he used to, I, I believe he played in the championship team. He was the second baseman. And he was just telling me, like, like how this this whole thing meant to him and, and how how strong is like the the fact that he was part of this and and that he met me and that he met Corvo and that he met you know and he was made, naming everybody even people that I don't even remember and he's like no they got an impact in me like this is this is what it is about you know and it's big man because um you don't see it like that till 10 years from now Hindsight's always twenty twenty, brother. Yeah, you know, uh, so it's it's deep. 
it's that yeah. thing, things like of true value don't it's like uh it's like food right the good food it might not necessarily taste the way like uh the immediacy the immediate feeling of like candy or something might give you but it's not nourishment it's not something that's going to be sustaining you can't build off that it's not to say you shouldn't have it and indulge but when it comes to handling your business sports indulgement kind of comes with like today catcher like I said, I, I like to communicate. The more I communicate, the less problems I have. It's just really facts in life. And I'm helping both teams. Listen, like if a coach is going to come out of his face and be like, you don't want me to help your catcher? Like you really don't want me to help your catcher? Somebody who's been behind a catcher, the better part of his adult life and watching the game, I know what's going on. You know, And uh, I was helping the catcher. I was saying, listen, there's nobody on base. Now's the time to work shit out. Move in a certain way. Do you, do you have the ability where the ball flies by you? There's no consequence. Just, you know, know your spots when to work shit out. Figure yourself out. Have good self-awareness. Know where you, you suck. Know where you're good. Figure out how much to, time to put into each because you don't want to put too much time into things that you're good at because then you won't get better at other things. And you don't want to put too much time into things that you suck at because you'll atrophy the things that you're good at. And this is all transferable information that sports offers in ways that most life things can't. And the beauty about team sports and accountability is that you have like a family that has a goal. I wouldn't even say every family has the same goal. You're just sort of like trying not to get in each other's way and give love and support. But when it comes to sports, we all want to fucking win. And you all have your personalities. And even like family, the support is like, oh, maybe we're not going to go out and be friends. But when we come here, we respect the mission. And I know Corvo. I know him enough and I know success and I, I've been around it enough to know like Michael Turo, Anderson Amante, you know, Steven Lamuccio, and now you, and thank you for being on this podcast as the third coach. And I feel it osmosisly, which is a trademark word I, I like to say. And it's not like I'm going to ask everybody to be a part of this podcast. So I asked you and, and these certain people because I, it's about feel sometimes. And I told him, Anderson, it's like you lost that game, not because of what you said during the season, because you put it out there that you were better than Lafayette and Lafayette had to prove you wrong, you know, and you had to realize that you weren't as good as you thought. And that shit's hard. And that's when like the real success kicks in, because like, how do you deal with that and, and that pressure? And you, you're not there yet. You kind of got, I would think, hopefully, uh, do you feel like you have sort of like a at least a little bit of respect where you have like a grace period to be like, okay, obviously Bill Jackson just left in a way and now you got to step in. Like, do you feel now you have some sort of like, uh, you can fail a little? Because yeah. if you feel like you can fail a little, honestly, that kind of helps you be successful more because you're not as tight. Yeah, I feel like I can fail any second. Like, that's completely fine with me because I know I'm going to learn from that. You know, mm. and, and that's part of, you know, being a coach. It's culture, you know, man. It, it, will, it will be boring for me just to, you know, like, okay, it's a perfect team. You know, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to coach. I just sit on the bench like this. They do everything. You know, it, it, there's no excitement there, you know. It would be great. Oh, yeah, we won, blah, blah, blah. But no, at the end of the day, you want that challenge. Because I, I, I like to feel that challenging part of the sport where you have to come and be like, okay, I fell. And this is not going to happen again. This is not happening again. And I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen again. I'm going to find a way 
no matter what, that this is going to be fixed. And and that's how I see it. Like, uh, it's not only on this. I mean, I tell the guys, we were doing pretty good. Uh, we were winning a couple games, and then we just strapped. When we had that break, and the Moreau, we played the Monroe tournament, we didn't do that good. Um, it was, we a, weird, it was a weird Monroe tournament. Yeah. It was, John Jay again, out of nowhere. Yes. They had a squad, man. I was watching this guy's move. Whoa. Okay. You know, last year, uh, to, quick uh one of the best umpire games I ever umpired, it was John Jay Monroe semifinal. I believe it was either 1 1 or 1 or 0 0, and they went to the ninth inning. Whoa. And this last year, they played semifinals and finals same day. So I did the game before Grand Street. They eliminated Luperon. Yeah. Grand Street's over here waiting, licking their chops. No matter yeah. what comes at them, is a depleted ass team who just played like two and a half, three hours of hard baseball. I mean, good baseball. It breeds it when you're like that pressure's like, oh man, it's such so just... a. And Monroe ended up winning, and they beat Grand Street. <laughs> I yeah. didn't. I didn't umpire the Monroe final, which is a bucket listing. I'm still uh, uh, semifinals t- twice. I'm getting there. Okay. But anyway, so yeah, you, I mean, it's not a mess. Tournaments in baseball, it's like that'd be weird to. It, it can't measure baseball in that way because anything can happen. It, it's not. It's not a superstar-driven sport. It's a right time, right situation. A lot of things have to fall into into place, and because yeah. it's a battle of mini games, you're winning mini games. And if there's so many opportunities to lose a game here and there, an inning, the more opportunities you have to fail, the more opportunities you are going to fail, yeah. and. And that's a, the, the parity between the, the, the teams this year. Are, it, it leaves it open, the door open for more. You could just come through and as a 9-7 and seven or whatever 500 team and surprise mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. So with that, what are your your obvious goals for the season as a team, as playoffs, and obviously philosophy? You want men. You want to do your part to raise men. But as the, as the grander picture of Socrates – the coach, what do you want? What do you want out of what you do? I think sometimes people just do things and they don't really ask themselves, why am I doing it? What do I want out of it? And I ask myself that a lot more so in my life, you know, 39 soon. I've never asked myself that as much as I do. And I realized I didn't have the answer a lot of times and I just was doing shit. So like, what do you, what do you want? I want to be a person that these kids can rely on. They can see me as somebody that did something. You target that and you got it done. I want to have, let, let's say, because Corp, Corp is my mentor. Corp is one of my mentors and he did it for me. All right. So he got me. He put me out there. He told me, do this. You can do this. You have options. You can go for that. It's not only about the sport. It's, it's, it's also, it's a bunch of things. I don't care if we have a, a losing season, like we don't go anywhere. But at the end of the day, when somebody comes to me 10 years later, it'd be like, coach, I really appreciate what you did for me. I'm doing this now in my life. And now let's say that they say, oh, oh yeah, I want to be a coach like you, like you did it. That will like blow my mind. You know, I will be like, whoa, that's touching my heart right there. And, uh, and that's the purpose. That's the beauty about this. You teaching them, you educating them, you you providing something that they don't have. Probably they're not gonna have if you're not there, and you're giving the opportunity to these kids. Um, 
Corvo did it for me. They don't even know they could have it. Yeah, they have no idea. They have no idea. No idea. It's important to have people like you. Uh, it really touches me in my heart because, I mean, let's be real. There's not many opportunities to have uh, this representation in such a real way that coaching, coaching just fucking offers, man. You, you, you are either a good coach or a bad one. There's no neutral. You either are going to mess it up or you're going to succeed. And it's just a matter of giving how, how, how much you can give, right? If you have $10 and you give $10, you're giving your all. But if you have a hundred and you're just giving 20, you're going to be exposed If somebody would give more. And then why are you here? If you could give more then why aren't you giving more? And as long as you do that, that's, like I say all the goddamn time, that's culture. It's going to going to show. You're going to make men fuck baseball. You're going to put them through situations that they didn't know they could overcome that are life or death. Mm-hmm. Or I progress or I don't. Yeah. And and yeah. sports is a vessel. But coaching is the, is the guidance that's going to make you think you have more than one choice. When people just think they have one way or the other. And that's not how life works. Yeah. There's so many things to do. There's so many ways to fail. Mm-hmm. If there's so many ways to fail, then there's definitely the same amount or if not more to succeed. And I think that comes with as a good segue to your approach is clearly that of a musician. Mm-hmm. And we talked before and I noticed on your Instagram when I was fo- when I followed you, you play guitar. So yeah. Mr. Bernie Williams over here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get that a lot, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I'm a musician. I play a couple instruments, not only guitar, but guitar is like my love. Like, How long have you been playing? Um, I will say uh, 17 years. 17 years, I will say. Yeah. How old are you? I'm 32. 32. Oh, what a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so my producer, shout out to Drew Torres, is I, I've met guitarists. Personally, he's the best guitarist that I know. Like, he's amazing. And I've seen him play, you know, I've known him for so many years. And and there is a reason why he's a producer of the show, because he just got such an ear for it. And he's so, I could not do the show. I could not do it without him, but I couldn't even get it off the ground without me tr- having that trust of his ear. Because I could just listen to myself and hate myself. I trust that he's giving me information. It's like, nah, you, you know, it's really like, like uh, when you know something, when somebody's trying out something for, for the first time and you've done it, you're like, oh no, no, you're not as bad as you think you are. And that's the essence of like picking up an instrument. You need that because strumming guitar, you're like, ah, I know what guitar sounds like good. Even if one thing about music is you don't have to know how to be good to know what's bad. People can listen to bad music and be like, ah, you don't have to like know how to play good music, right? Or you don't even have to know what good music is, but there's something to knowing. And, and I say that because that's how life works, where good is very much relative, but we all know what bad is. And when you master an instrument, it really puts that in perspective because you get such respect for attempting things and creativity and the freedom that it offers. That sort of coaching is there's no competition other than yourself. That's why I think golf is a a special sport too, because you go out there and you just got to beat the course. Fuck everybody else. You do the best. And if you do your best and you still lose, Hey, you know, and that's like instruments is you, you're not competing. You're the best guitarist 
of yourself. Yeah, so like, do you have any recordings or? Yeah, I do have music. Um, I actually have two albums. Oh, really? Are, yeah, I have two albums. Uh, I did everything. I recorded all the instruments. I produce the music. I'm a beginner. Is it on the Spotify? Pro the production, yes, it's on Spotify. Oh, we're definitely uh, gonna provide that link. <laughs> yes. Uh, actually, some of my kids they listen to my music. It's like, oh, coach, look, 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 and then they just like sing to the music. I'm like, whoa, that's, okay. Make sure they listen to the podcast too. No, but that's, yeah, they, no, that's, they will. That's dope, man. That's awesome. See, that's it's cool getting to know people like this and on any yeah. level, and especially because I love music and I show you videos of my uh, my crazy ass son who just. All he does, that's all he does, literally all he does. And we were talking about Slipknot, which is one of my favorite bands of all time. Yeah. I'm not going to get up. I could get up and show you, but I have the S, Slipknot S tattooed on my leg. Oh, nice. I'll show you next nice. time. I worked on Ozfest 2004. I sent you the pictures with me and Corey Taylor. On that Ozfest, Slipknot was there. And I got to meet all of them except one member without their mask. It was amazing. And uh, Joey Jordison, I never played drums. But I always fancied myself if I did play an instrument. I guess that's why my son Nikolai is a drummer. Osmosisly, trademark. So at that Ozfest, Joey Jordison, rest in peace, the original drummer of Slipknot, he saw me on the side stage. I was working there. And I I had came up to him the day before. I was like, I really would love a drumstick. And while he was playing, he saw me and threw the drumstick. I don't have it on me, but I'll text you a picture of it. I have awesome. that drumstick. It's, it's awesome. So... It's cool. To, uh, you said you saw Slipknot a couple of uh, last year at, at Barclays, one of the tours that I missed. I said like one of two, threes, two yeah. or three tours I've ever missed. It was amazing, man. Was that your first um, time seeing them? Yeah, yeah. One, one of the things that they tell you is that... They're loud. Yeah, they're loud. <laughs> and and they, make, like, they make sure that you feel welcome. And they're like, who, who's new in this? And you know, and like... And Corey, just let, like, Corey Taylor's the best. You raise your hand. And like you motherfuckers, welcome to the family. Well, whoa, you know, it was amazing, man. They put up a show. It's it's just great. Yeah, you great. were a maggot that night. That's what they call their fans, maggots. Yeah, okay, there you it's, go. It's, it's like a family vibe, and that psychology, that sort of self importance. That's what how you build the team. That's how I call it. Um, I don't call it, but the philosophy thing is called the most photographed barn in the world, barn or farm. So if you tell people, hey. This farm is the most photographed farm in the world. It doesn't matter if that's true. People start taking pictures in front of it and it'll become true. So it doesn't matter. You present yourself that way, you will become that if you live up to it. And you being a musician, you being a coach, as far as I can tell, and really, you, whether you try to or not, and I know you didn't, you're just you. You lived up to everything that I really wanted you on the podcast. And I can't think of no better way to leave it at that. Having you on and building these relationships, it's it's very important to me because, like I said, communicating, you can't over-communicate. It really is hard to tell people more information in a way where you, if you're being earnest and you're being honest about it and you're, you're proving to everybody around you that you're trying your best, it will get through. And I'm telling you, it will get through to these kids. You got through to me. It's going to get through. I've been around this game for a long time, and you're a real one. And everybody who comes through you, or will put you in this position for a reason. Wanted you to be in the position for a reason. Blessed you in the position for a reason. I thank you for being on this podcast. Socrates, the best name in all PSL. <laughs> Socrates Peralta, thank you for being here, bro. Thank you, Steven. You are the best, man. Thank you.